Wayne Watson wrote a song about the watercolor ponies his daughter painted and proudly displayed on the refrigerator door in their kitchen. It's a sweet and sentimental song, but not anywhere close to what the Apostle John sees in a prophetic vision while on the island of Patmos. Picture four horses colored white, black, red, and pale green with riders mounted on each. Don't be deceived. They are hardly from the imagination of a young schoolgirl. Instead, they deliver massive destruction, drought, and death to planet Earth. I wish the four horsemen of the apocalypse were merely watercolor ponies. But the reliable pages of Bible prophecy say otherwise, preparing us for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome into Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Hi, I'm Brian Davis and wherever you are and however you may be listening, thanks for spending part of your day with us. Today, Ron takes us to Revelation chapter six and to the seven year period known as the Great Tribulation. In these last days, four horsemen will bring famine, disease, and death. The end result being that one quarter of the world's population will die. Stay with us now or look for us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get yours. And now from his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Let's read on in verses five and six. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come, and I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. What's that all about? Well, it's another one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This time a black horse comes riding in. Are you starting to hear the hoofbeats? It kind of sounds from the voice that John's hear, hears here that economic chaos is created in the commodities markets. You have the mention of wheat and barley and oil and wine. Uh, what is that all about? Well, in Bible times, a quart of wheat produced a single meal and three quarts of barley, which was the cheaper commodity, uh, would produce uh, three simple meals. And, and during the tribulation period, each of those, a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley, will cost a denarius. You say, well, what's a denarius? Well, that was the average worker's wage for one day. In other words, because of the devastation of war, uh, food will become scarce. Inflation, worldwide inflation will rise. The price of food will go up exponentially. Uh, the cost of wheat will rise so high that a man must work an entire day, let's just say, for a loaf of bread. He can barely take care of himself, let alone his own family. And you say, well, what would cause such a, such a spike in prices? Well, severe drought and famine, partially the result of the devastating war that just took place. 
Um, this, this is, again, is a, is, is a devastating time on planet Earth where, where food is in scarce supply, where drought and famine blanket the earth. Uh, interesting, this voice says, uh, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine. Wheat and barley were the basic necessities of the average worker, but oil and wine is the pleasure of wealthy people. And some take this to mean that, that, that war will produce what it often produces. The rich get richer, the poor, the weakened, the downtrodden get poorer. And, and war is most devastating on those that are least powerful from the world's perspective. Uh, but it's, it's economic chaos and devastation that impacts the supply of food and food prices on planet Earth. Are you with me so far? I know this is a heavy message. Uh, these, these four horsemen are, are hard to digest, are they not? Well, let's try one more. Uh, this one, next one is a pale horse, and he brings death with him, verses 7 and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four, fourth living creatures say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Some of you might remember a Clint Eastwood movie back in 1985. He was the producer and the director in the lead role in a movie called Pale Horse. The title of the movie was taken from The Fourth Horseman of the Apocalypse. It was a Hollywood western. Uh, it, it's a devastating scene here. This writer comes in and he has a name. His name is Death. His name is Death, and he has a sidekick who's also riding a horse whose name is Hades. Now, following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Hades, as I best understand uh, the mysteries of the afterlife, Hades is that place where uh, departed spirits, unbelieving spirits go to await the future resurrection of unbelievers uh, before they face the great white throne judgment. So picture death riding in on a pale horse and creating death all across planet Earth and tossing those inhabitants into Hades. Fast forward to Revelation chapter 20 where death and Hades are there at the uh, great white throne judgment and all the inhabitants and eventually they are cast into the lake of fire, uh, a term synonymous with hell itself, and that is called the second death, separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire in eternity. Uh, death and Hades appear on planet earth. And, and the Bible says here, John's vision says that they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Imagine this, friends. One-fourth of the world's population devastated and dead. Today we have 7.3 billion people on planet Earth. If the world growth, um, population growth continues at this rate, it won't be long before we'll be at 8 billion. Can you imagine 2 billion people on planet Earth dead in a short period of time? The world has never experienced such devastation. And, and John in his vision mentions uh, the the tools that death and Hades will use to produce such human carnage, sword, famine, pestilence, wild beasts, 
Dr. David Jeremiah writes, history shows that there has been a close association between these four, sword, famine, pestilence, wild beasts. As a country is engulfed in war, the able-bodied men take up arms. Farmers leave their fields and food supplies become scarce. Soon there is malnutrition followed by disease. Ultimately, the wild beasts prey upon weakened people. Historians, he says, tell us that more people died of the epidemics of influenza and typhoid after World War I than died in the war itself. And so death and Hades use the tools of sword, that is, the, that is war, famine that follows, pestilence and disease, even the unleashing of wild beasts who prey upon weakened uh, human people on planet Earth to produce such devastation that one-fourth of the world population dies in a very short period of time. Mentions disease and pestilence. Think about today, the virus-borne diseases that are breaking out at a rapid rate all around the world. Uh, these names are familiar to us now, HIV, AIDS, Ebola, now, now Zika. They're common threats in the news today. Who knows what's next? In 2009, we became familiar with the swine flu, or H1N1 which the Centers for Disease Control estimates, listen to this, it killed between 150,000 and 575,000 people worldwide. Did you know that? I missed that with all the H1N1 conversation. The World Health Organization estimates that during a typical flu season, up to 500,000 people will die from the illness. And occasionally a new strain of influenza even comes out, like H1N1, and pandemic results, and a faster spread of the virus produces higher and higher mortality rates. Friends, the tribulation will escalate those numbers. Up to 2 billion people die from war, from famine, from pestilence. And then John mentions wild beasts that prey upon vulnerable people. It's a sobering, sobering scene. And you say, Pastor, what do, what do I do with a message like this? Well, you know, none of the future devastation on planet Earth happens without God's permission. Did you see that in verses 6 and 7? And they were given authority over planet Earth. If we could go a little bit further today, and we don't have time to, but go on to the sixth seal that is, that is broken in this mysterious seal. Uh, this is one that introduces all kinds of, of uh, celestial disasters in, in the heavens and so forth, and earthquakes, and the sun becoming black as sackcloth, and the full moon becomes like blood, and the stars of the sky fall to the earth and so forth. It's such devastation on planet earth that the leaders of planet earth Cry out to the mountains and rocks. Look at it in verse 16 and 17. Fall on us, they say, and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? That's a great question, isn't it? I mean, who, who can stand against the wrath of God? The wrath of this lamb who looks like a lion, this lion who looks like a lamb. I, I told you the Jesus of Revelation is not the, the sweet Sunday school Jesus you remember, playing stickball with his friends in Nazareth. 
holding the lambs over his shoulder and gathering the little children to him. Oh yeah, that's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. The Jesus of Revelation is a conquering lion and he pours out his wrath. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a special gift of our own, the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ, a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones. And for a limited time, our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And you can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. Now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. You see, we're living in what many people call the age of grace, the church age, a time that Jesus described as when the sun rises on the evil and the good, and when our Heavenly Father sends the rain on the just and the unjust. It's an age of grace. It's a time when God's, God's anger, which is always just and righteous and holy and justified, is tempered. It's held back, restrained, as it were, by the presence of His church, the bride of Christ, and the Holy Spirit who indwells. But when the church is gone at the rapture, when the role of the Holy Spirit changes, when, when the restrainer is lifted, the wrath of the Lamb pours out. And it's a devastating time on planet. There's no movie that could depict the apocalypse that takes place here, the catastrophe. You say, Pastor, what do I do with a message like this? Well, I think there are two things. First of all, remember, Bible prophecy is not meant to just scratch our curiosity. If that's all it ever does is just scratch your curiosity and you fill up some notebooks and you have some ooh, interesting conversations, you're, you miss the point of Bible prophecy. Future events, remember, 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was prophetic in nature. God, who is the great revealer of secrets and mysteries, chooses to pull back the veil and show us some of those mysteries and explain things to us. He gives us a glimpse into the future for believers in Jesus Christ to purify His people and to get us prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ, to wake up the sleepy slumber in us as we just kind of go through life and, you know, hey, dude, you know, do our church thing. No, when, when you read God's Word and you see what's coming, it, it makes us look into the mirror of our own spiritual life and say, God, if there's anything in me that is not rightly related to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's David's prayer in Psalm 139, verse 24. It's a courageous prayer to pray, but it's the kind of prayer we pray as we understand the future that lies ahead. Now, the good news for the believer in Jesus Christ is we don't go through this time. My best understanding of the ordering events in Bible prophecy, and I understand there's a lot of debate and discussion about it. Some people have the, the, the rapture happening at the midpoint of the tribulation or later in the tribulation. My best understanding is the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. The church disappeared. The restrainer is lifted. As a true believer in Jesus Christ, you, you won't be here. You, you'll be the church in heavenly worship if you know Jesus. While all of this catastrophe is happening on planet earth like, like human beings have never experienced before. So the good news is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you escape the coming night of evil that will blanket this world. But that's not something to, you know, click your heels in glee and happiness and say, well, I won't be here, that's okay. No, it should, it should produce great sorrow in your, sorrow in your heart for those who have yet to believe. We have a job to do, friends. We're here as the church of Jesus Christ, yes, to be that restraining force. You're the salt of the earth, Jesus said, but He also said you're the light of the world. Don't put your light under a bushel. No, shine your light. Shake your salt. Wherever God has given you a place of influence, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your place of work, in, in your family, your extended family, you may be the only Jesus and the only person who has any understanding, any clue of what God has revealed to us in your sphere of influence. And you have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility to share the good news. Yes, sometimes to share the sobering news of what God has revealed to us about the future. And a word for those of you who are maybe a bit skeptical of all this Jesus stuff, and if not skeptical, just a little indifferent about it. Bible prophecy is meant to provoke unbelievers and, yes, give you an opportunity before the day comes to respond in faith believing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take my word for it. My authority for anything I have to say is right here in the pages of God's Word. And, yes, you know, Bible prophecy can be a complicated, tedious study. So check everything that I say where we're speculating about some things. You know, I'll say, you know, scholars or I or others speculate about this. But God has given us a great deal of detail if you're willing to do the hard work of studying this. And not just studying it to satisfy curiosity and to get a big head about it or to feel good about yourself, but to take what your ears hear today that the Spirit of God is saying to you, grasp it in your mind, Absorb it into the good soil of your heart before the devil snatches it away. But more importantly, let it, let it drip into your hands and into your feet where you put it into practice, where you don't walk away from here the same that you came in, in your slumbering, sleepy state. Because my understanding is the rapture of the church, in Paul's language, happens in the twinkling of an eye. It happens so fast that the world misses it, except for the disappearance of millions of people who believe in Jesus Christ. Then we're the church in heavenly worship while all of this, the wrath of the Lamb, is poured out 
on planet Earth. I don't know about you, but I don't want a single friend or loved one or coworker to miss the opportunity. I don't want a single one of us today to miss the opportunity to hear the truth and to respond in faith believing, to say, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me from the wrath to come and give me eternal life because you were the lamb who was slain on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. You rose triumphantly from the grave. You're, you're the lion that looks like a lamb. You're the lamb that looks like a lion. And if you don't understand both, you don't understand Jesus. But meet him today. Come to faith in Christ today like every other humble, repentant sinner does on their knees before the cross of Christ to say, Lord Jesus, save me. And do that today before it's too late, before the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised first and we who are alive and remain are caught up in the air with him all in the twinkling of an eye. Seven years of devastation before the conquering lion returns at his second coming with his church to set up his eternal rule and his kingdom rule on this earth. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Ron, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was such a profound gift to mankind. It was an act of love that can hardly be put into words, but that's not the only sacrifice he made, is it? You're absolutely right, Brian. You know, I've seen some people who are going through a real painful time, and they've come to faith in Christ simply because someone said to them, Jesus loves you. There have been others who have made so many mistakes in their lives that they felt beyond redemption, and they needed someone to come alongside them and explain that God loves them beyond their failures, uh, even beyond their past. And then there are others who have heard it all before, Brian. Uh, they've heard about the love of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, and they've rejected it time and again. And quite frankly, they may have grown so cynical that perhaps they need to hear something else altogether. And that's where Bible prophecy can be of real help to someone, because God wrote it, at least in part, for the benefit of the doubters. Now, he loves all of us enough to include in his word every possible thing anyone needs to hear in order to come to the knowledge of repentance. And Bible prophecy can be the perfect remedy for those who have heard it all before. Because if a person is willing to study Bible prophecy, even just a little bit, they will find that there is ample proof that many of the prophecies, and some estimate as many as 50% of them, many of the prophecies in Scripture have already been fulfilled, which just may be the thing they need to believe in the prophecies that are not yet fulfilled, and in fact to believe in Jesus himself after rejecting him for years. There's plenty of evidence out there for Christianity, plenty enough to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, so for those who say, I, I can't take it strictly on faith, I need proof, well, God is gracious enough to provide it. Great stuff, Ron, and it's one of the many things I love about God, that he will always go to extreme lengths to make himself evident to all of us, even the most hardened skeptics. Well, Ron, as we wrap up today's Something Good Radio broadcast, tell us where you're headed next time as you continue your teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse. Well, Brian, speaking of skeptics, for centuries now, many Jews have rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. In fact, 
The Apostle Paul wrote about it not long after the church began. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, he says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. So the problem for practicing Jews begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. The Messiah they believe in was supposed to be a conquering hero, not a suffering servant. So they reject the idea of a crucified Messiah, and by extension, they contend that Jesus failed to fulfill all of the messianic prophecies. Now that he is dead, they argue, there is no further opportunity for him to fulfill the whole of messianic prophecy. But here's the good news, Brian. A day is coming when there will be a revival among the Jews like the world has never seen. And that's where we're headed next time in my current series from the book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's tomorrow in Dr. Ranjan's message, The Jewish Evangelism Explosion. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.